Episode 14, Maritime Silk Road, Continuous Prosperity of Chuanzhou. Hi there, welcome to Stuff You Missed in Chinese History. I'm Patrick Flannery. Today we're discussing the Maritime Silk Road. Let's begin by giving you its starting point, Chuanzhou, according to UNESCO. During the Southern Song Dynasty, Chuanzhou was the largest port in China, just as big as the one in Egypt's Alexandria. So, how did the port of Chuanzhou develop? It's a big story. The Southern Song Dynasty was rather weak. So, how did it compete with the Jin Dynasty and the Mongolian Yuan for 152 years? The answer, it was super rich. When fighting a war, everything depends on money. The ability of the Southern Song Dynasty to resist for so long had a lot to do with its economic development and financial prosperity. Financial prosperity not only because of the development of agriculture, but also business. During the Southern Song Dynasty, the most important part of commerce was maritime trade. Several maritime trade ports were successively opened during the Northern Song Dynasty, such as Hangzhou and Chuanzhou, as well as Mingzhou, which is today's Ningbo. Mijo, today's Qingdao, and Xiuzhou, today's Shanghai. During the Southern Song Dynasty, Wangzhou and Jiangyin also opened as commercial ports. However, from the Northern Song to the Southern Song, the disparity in income of the imperial courts from maritime trade was high. How much tariff revenue did the Northern Song Dynasty collect? 300,000 to 500,000 tails of silver a year. How much did that become during the Southern Song Dynasty? Two million tails, about 6% of the dynasty's annual national income. That is to say, more than 120th of national income flowed in from maritime trade. So why did maritime trade increase so much from the Northern Song to the Southern Song? One reason, taxes. The Southern Song had more ports than did the Northern Song, so of course, more taxes were collected. On the other hand, the Southern Song government adopted a certain purchase policy from many foreign commodities, which was the government's monopoly purchase of certain commodities. Within the country, it was mainly military materials like food, silk, hemp, horses. In the overseas trade market, they included spices, medicine, ivory, rhino horn, and other luxury goods. These materials were purchased by the government at a low price and sold to private merchants at a high price we can consider the price difference a tax, and a remarkably high one. Therefore, the tax revenue of maritime trade in the Southern Song Dynasty surged to 2 million tails of silver a year. The confidence of the Southern Song Dynasty lay in its immense financial power. To understand just how powerful the maritime trade was in the Southern Song, let's talk about ships and ports for a minute. By then, navigation technology had been developed to a high degree of accuracy. The largest ships could carry five to 600 people. The medium-sized ships could carry two to 300 people. How high was the mast of the largest ship? 30 meters. Think of the ships in Pirates of the Caribbean. The largest ships in those movies are about the same size as those belonging to the Southern Song Dynasty. And like Pirates of the Caribbean, the ships were under the watch of a captain. The upper deck of a large ship was for carrying passengers, and the lower decks were for cargo. The cargo compartments were scientific and practical in their design. 
They were divided into many zones, so different customers could sort their cargo. If a cabin was flooded or damaged, only part of the cargo would be affected, while the others would be safe. This showed the advanced shipbuilding technology of the time. In addition to the sails, there were huge paddles between 8 and 20 aboard each ship, with 4 to 30 people operating each one. When sailing, how could the captain determine where they were headed? According to records, they watched, watched the, stars the stars at night, at night and, the, and sun the sun during the day. During the day. If it was overcast and raining, they looked at the compass, one of China's four great inventions. The four great inventions of ancient China refers to paper, gunpowder, printing, and the compass. This idea was put forward by British sinologist Dr. Joseph Needham and is widely accepted by historians. In addition, they used a 100-foot-long sea hook to dredge up mud from the sea floor, so an experienced sailor could smell and identify their location. Extraordinary, right? We can see how impressive navigation technology was back then. You are listening to Some You Missed in Chinese History, written and produced by Shukun Wong, presented by Patrick Fanny. During the Tang and Northern Song dynasties, Chuanzhou was not yet the largest port in China. The largest was Guangzhou, where taxes accounted for 90% of the country's total tax revenue. In the Southern Song Dynasty, the order of the ports changed. Why? We know that the capital of the Northern Song was Kaifeng in central China, while the capital of the Southern Song Dynasty was Hangzhou in southeast China. Hangzhou was the most developed area back then. Of all the fine ports in the country, Chuanzhou was the closest to Hangzhou. Therefore, a great number of overseas merchant ships gathered in Chuanzhou to do business. Chuanzhou has thus become one of the world's largest trading ports. Chuanzhou was also a well-known international city at the time. For example, there was an area in Chuanzhou called Fanfang, foreign communities that housed foreign businessmen. The head of the Fanfang was appointed by the imperial court and chosen from the most prestigious overseas merchants to manage their affairs. The laws of the Song Dynasty also clearly stipulated how the family inheritance should be spent and divided among foreigners living in China after five generations. From these, we can see there were a lot of foreign merchant families there for a long time. Chuanzhou also concentrated temples of various religions, such as Islam, Brahmanism in India, Manichaeism, Christianity, and of course, Buddhism. Later, when the Southern Song was defeated by Mongol Yuan, Many ports were destroyed in the process, but Chuanzhou continued to prosper. The reason came from the choice of the businessmen there. At the end of the Song and the beginning of the Mongol Yuan dynasty, there was a descendant of a Muslim merchant named Pu Shogong in Chuanzhou. When he worked for the Southern Song, he had always led Chuanzhou merchants to fight the pirates. Because of his merits, he was appointed superintendent of shipping trade in Chuanzhou. But by the end of the Song Dynasty, Pu betrayed the Song and surrendered to the Mongol Yuan. Zhao Bing, the last emperor of the Southern Song Dynasty, passed through Chuanzhou while being chased by the Mongol Yuan army. At that time, the clan of the Song Dynasty in Chuanzhou wanted to take the seven-year-old emperor into the city for a final fight. However, Pu Shugong not only closed the city gate and refused to accept the emperor's entry, but also plotted to kill the entire clan. Pu handed over the seagoing ships to the Mongol army. 
So the Yuan dynasty had power at sea and was able to keep pursuing and attacking the remnants of the Song dynasty. After fleeing to Yashan, Zhao Bing eventually jumped into the sea on the back of Minister Lu Xiufu and died, bringing an end to the Southern Song dynasty. So what did Pu get for helping the Mongol Yuan in this way? The Mongol army did not slaughter the people of Chuanzhou. A year later, the city reopened its port and reached its peak during the Yuan dynasty. Even Marco Polo marveled in his masterpiece, The Travels, on the prosperity of the city. Chuanzhou became a representative trading city in Chinese legends popular in the West. So why did Pu Shogong abandon the Southern Song Dynasty so strongly? It's complicated. In the process of conquering the South, the Mongol Yuan adopted the principle that it would destroy the city if its citizens did not surrender. To preserve Chuanzhou, it is understandable that Pu chose to surrender. There were other, more important reasons. As mentioned earlier, there was the area dedicated to foreign businessmen in Chuanzhou, which was isolated. There was a lack of communication between the businessmen and the Chinese. The foreigners enjoyed an independent existence during the Southern Song Dynasty. When the dynasties changed, the foreigners made choices based on their political and economic interests. Did you know that a heavy rain was responsible for the demise of a dynasty during which the Great Wall was built? Italian merchant and explorer Marco Polo finished his masterpiece about China in prison. An emperor proclaimed African giraffes as magical Chinese unicorns. Follow the podcast Stuff You Missed in Chinese History to learn more fun facts during the past few thousand years in this country with Patrick Flannery. In our next episode, we'll tell you the story of Marco Polo's visit to China and his book, The Travels of Marco Polo. Thanks so much for listening to Stuff You Missed in Chinese History. I'm Patrick Flannery. See you next time. Special thanks go out to Sanlian Zhongdu for their help in creating the content for this show. If you like the podcast, please give us a rating and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen.